Nightmare Town. Hello, neighbors, and welcome back to Nightmare Town. We are Betty Boom. And that's it. It's just me this week. Manda couldn't make it for reasons that are not mine to give, but I would just like to say that we love Manda and the whole Monium family. So send them out all of your good vibes, thoughts, prayers, whatever it is that you send to people. Since Manda isn't here, I'm not going to be doing Scarecrow. We're just going to hold off on that, mostly because I do write my notes thinking of what her face is going to do when I read the notes. And without her here, it's not as much fun. So yeah. <laughs> so instead, I've compiled a few obscure Grimm's fairy tales for you in this episode, which I'm going to be calling, Why is that for kids? These are from different volumes of the Grimm's Brothers books, Kinder und Hausmärchen, which I'm not sure if I'm saying that right because, you know, not super strong at my German, but it's still better than my Spanish. But that translates to The Children and the House Tales. So let's jump in. This is the story of the three army surgeons. Three army surgeons who thought they knew their art perfectly were traveling about the world, and they came to an inn where they wanted to pass the night. The host asked whence they came and whether they were going. We are roaming about the world and practicing our art. Just show me for once in a way what you can do, said the host. Then the first said he would cut off his hand and put it on again early next morning. The second said he would tear out his heart and replace it next morning. The third said he would cut out his eyes and heal them again next morning. If you can do that, said the innkeeper, you have learned everything. They, however, had a salve, with which they rubbed themselves, which joined parts together, and they carried the little bottle in which it was constantly with them. Then they cut the hand, heart, and eyes from their bodies, as they had said they would, and laid them all together on a plate and gave it to the innkeeper. The innkeeper gave it to a servant who was to set it in the cupboard and take good care of it. The girl, however, had a lover in secret who was a soldier. When therefore the innkeeper, the three army surgeons, and everyone else in the house were asleep, the soldier came and wanted something to eat. The girl opened the cupboard and brought him some food, and in her love forgot to shut the cupboard door again. She seated herself at the table by her lover, and they chatted away together. While she sat so contently there, thinking of no ill luck, the cat came creeping in, found the cupboard door, took the hand and heart and eyes of the three army surgeons and ran off with them. When the soldier had done eating and the girl was taking away the things and going to shut the cupboard, she saw that the plate, which the innkeeper had given her to take care of, was empty. Then she said in a fright to her lover, Ah, miserable girl, what shall I do? The hand is gone, the heart and eyes are gone too. What will become of me in the morning? Be easy, he said. I will help thee out of thy trouble. There is a thief hanging outside on the gallows. I will cut off his hand. Which hand was it? The right one. Then the girl gave him a sharp knife, and he went and cut the poor sinner's right hand off and brought it to her. After this, he caught the cat and cut its eyes out, and now nothing but the heart was wanting. Have you not been killing, and are not the dead pigs in the cellar, he said. Yes, said the girl. That's well, said the soldier, and he went down and fetched the pig's heart. The girl placed all together on a plate, 
and put it in the cupboard, and when, after this, her lover took leave of her, she went quietly to bed. In the morning, when the three army surgeons got up, they told the girl she was to bring them the plate on which the hand, heart, and eyes were laying. Then she brought it out of the cupboard, and the first fixed the thief's hand on and smeared it with his salve, and it grew to his arm directly. The second took the cat's eyes and put them in his own head. The third fixed the pig's heart firm in the place where his own had been, and the innkeeper stood by, admiring their skill, and said he had never yet seen such a thing as that done, and would sing their praises and recommend them to everyone. Then they paid their bill and traveled farther. As they were on their way, the one with the pig's heart did not stay with them at all. But wherever there was a quarter, he ran to it, and rooted about in it with his nose as a pig's, as pigs do. The others wanted to hold him back by the tails of his coat, but that did no good. He tore himself loose and ran wherever the dirt was thickest. The second also behaved very strangely. He rubbed his eyes and said to the others, Comrades, what is the matter? I don't see at all. Will one of you lead me so that I do not fall? Then, with difficulty, they traveled on till evening, when they reached another inn. They went into the bar together, and there at the table in the corner sat a rich man counting money. The one with the thief's hand walked ar around about him, made a sudden movement twice with his arm, and at last, when the stranger turned away, he snatched at the pile of money and took a handful from it. One of them saw this and said, "'Comrade, what art thou about? Thou must not still shame on thee!' "'Eh!' he said." But how can I stop myself? My hand twitches, and I am forced to snatch things, whether I will or not. After this, they lay down to sleep, and while they were laying there, it was so dark that no one could see his own hand. All at once, the one with the cat's eyes awoke, aroused the others, and said, Brothers, just look up. Do you see the white mice running, ab running about there? The two sat up, but could see nothing. Then he said, Things are not right with us. We have not got back again what is ours. We must return to the innkeeper. He has deceived us. They went back, therefore, the next morning and told the host they had not got what was their own again, that the first had a thief's hand, the second cat's eyes, and the third a pig's heart. The innkeeper said that the girl must be to blame for that and was going to call her, but when she had seen all three coming, she had ran out by the back door and not come back. Then the three said he must give them a great deal of money or they would set his house on fire. He gave them what he had and whatever he could get together, and the three went away with it. It was enough for the rest of their lives, but they would rather have their own proper organs. The end. What even is this story? Oh my gosh, okay. So our next story is a little short, and after this we're probably going to do a break because I need coffee, because it is still the morning time. Because, you know, you know, B, she messaged me and she asked me how the, the new job was going, and I just want to take a moment to say I really appreciated that. Like, that's really sweet, and it's going well. Hours have kind of calmed down a little bit now that I'm no longer in training, but... I'm still very tired, guys. I'm, I'm also, like, not sleeping well because stress. 
but that's just because school's gearing up soon, and I'm, I, I don't like change, and there's been a lot of change. But this is weird. It's weird just talking to a microphone. I miss Amanda. Okay, anyway, this one's called The Mouse, the Bird, and the Sausage. <laughs> Once upon a time, a mouse, a bird, and a sausage formed a partnership. They kept house together, and for a long time they lived in peace and prosperity, acquiring many possessions. The bird's task was to fly into the forest every day to fetch wood. The mouse carried water, made the fire, and set the table. The sausage did the cooking. Whoever is too well off always wants to try something different. Thus, one day, the bird chanced to meet another bird, who boasted to him of his own situation. The bird criticized him for working so hard while the other two enjoyed themselves at home. For after the mouse had made the fire and carried the water, she could sit in the parlor and rest until it was time for her to set the table. The sausage had only to stay by the pot watching the food cook. When mealtime approached, she would slither about the porridge or the vegetables, and thus everything was greased and salted and ready to eat. The bird would bring his load of wood home. They would eat their meal and then sleep soundly until the next morning. It was a great life. The next day, because of his friend's advice, the bird refused to go to the forest, saying that he had been their servant long enough. He was no longer going to be a fool for them. Everyone should try a different task for a change. The mouse and the sausage argued against this, but the bird was the master, and he insisted that they give it a try. The sausage was to fetch the wood, the mouse became the cook, and the bird was to carry water. And what was the result? The sausage trudged off towards the forest, the bird made the fire, and the mouse put on a pot and waited for the sausage to return with wood for the next day. However, the sausage stayed out so long that the other two feared that something bad had happened. The bird flew off to see if he could find her. A short distance away, he came upon a dog that had seized the sausage as free booty and was making off with her. The bird complained bitterly to the dog about this brazen abduction, but he claimed that he had discovered forged letters on the sausage and that she would thus have to forfeit her life to him. Filled with sorrow, the bird carried the wood home himself and told the mouse what he had seen and heard. They were very sad, but were determined to stay together and make the best of it. The bird set the table while the mouse prepared the food. She jumped into the pot, as the sausage had always done, in order to slither and weave in and about the vegetables and grease them. But before she reached the middle, her hair and skin were scalded off, and she perished. When the bird wanted to eat, no cook was there. Beside himself, he threw the wood this way and that, called out, looked everywhere, but no cook was to be found. Because of his carelessness, the scattered wood caught fire, and the entire house was soon aflame. The bird rushed to fetch water, but the bucket fell into the well, carrying him with it, and he drowned. The end... Again, why are these for kids? I I don't understand. German is German fairy tales are just really fucked up, guys. Okay, so we're going to take a quick processing break here, mostly because I need to gear up for this next one cuz it's going to be long. And while we're doing that, we have done a promo swap with our new friends Alluring, so give that a listen. Do you like cryptids, folklore, urban legends or art? Well, then check out the podcast Alluring, where your co-hosts, me, Kimmy, 
and me, Ryan, tell you about the legends and lore from all around the world. And with each episode, we have folklore-inspired art prompts to encourage you to create something alluring. Check us out today by going to alluring.com, that's A-L-O-R-E-I-N-G.com, or listen to us wherever podcasts are heard. And we're back. And and I'm back. I guess I could still say we. I mean, Bella is here. She's taking a nap. So, I really enjoy listening to the spooky tales of from Alluring, and, like, their co-host banner is really nice, and so I, I definitely recommend them. So y'all should go listen to them after you finish this episode, of course. All right, so my last story. It's a bit long. I like it. Um, and the title of it is The Story of a Boy Who Went Forth to Learn Fear. And this one's a bit long, so bear with me. A father had two sons. The oldest one was clever and intelligent and knew how to manage everything, but the youngest one was stupid and could neither understand nor learn anything. When people saw him, they said, He will be a burden on his father. Now, when something had to be done, it was always the oldest son who had to do it. However, if the father asked him to fetch anything when it was late, or even worse, at night, And if the way led through the churchyard or some other spooky place, he would always answer, Oh no, father, I won't go there. It makes me shudder, for he was afraid. In the evening, by the fire, when stories were told that made one's flesh creep, the listeners sometimes said, Oh, that makes me shudder. The youngest son would sit in the corner and listen with the others, but he could not imagine what they meant. They are always saying, it makes me shudder, it makes me shudder. It does not make me shudder. That too must be a skill that I do not understand. When it happened that one day his father said to him, Listen, you there in the corner, you are getting big and strong. You too will have to learn something by which you can earn your bread. See how your brother puts himself out? But there seems to be no hope for you. Well, father, he answered. I do want to learn something. Indeed, if possible, I would like to learn how to shudder. I don't understand that at all yet. The oldest son laughed when he heard that and thought to himself, Dear God, what a dimwit that brother of mine is. Nothing will come of him as long as he lives. As the twig is bent, so grows the tree. The father sighed and answered him. You may well learn to shudder, but you will not earn your bread by shuddering. Soon afterwards... The sexton came to the house on a visit, and the father complained to him about his troubles, telling him how his younger son was so stupid in everything that he knew nothing and was learning nothing. Just think, he said. When I asked him how he was going to earn his bread, he actually asked to learn to shudder. If there's nothing more than that, replied the sexton, he can learn that with me. Just send him to me. I will plane off his rough edges. The father agreed to do this, for he thought... It will do the boy well. So the sexton took him home with him, and he was to ring the church bell. A few days later, the sexton awoke him at midnight and told him to go up, climbing the church tower, and ring the bell. You will soon learn what it is to shudder, he thought. He secretly went there ahead of him. After the boy had reached the top of the tower, had turned around and was about to take hold of the bell rope, he saw a white figure standing on the steps opposite the sound hole. Who is there? he shouted. 
But the figure gave no answer, neither moving nor stirring. Answer me, shouted the boy, or get out of here. You have no business here at night. The sexton, however, remained standing there motionly so that the boy would think that he was a ghost. The boy shouted a second time. What do you want here? Speak if you are an honest fellow, or I will throw you down the stairs. The sexton thought, he can't seriously mean that. He made not a sound and stood there as if he were made of stone. Then the boy shouted to him for a third time, and that also was to no avail. He ran towards him and pushed the ghost down the stairs. It fell down ten steps and remained laying there in, the, in a corner. Then the boy rang the bell, went home, and without saying a word, went to bed and fell asleep. The sexton's wife waited a long time for her husband, but he did not come back. Finally, she became frightened and woke up the boy, asking, "'Don't you know where my husband is? He climbed up the tower before you did.' "'No,' replied the boy, "'but someone was standing by the sound hole on the other side of the steps, and because he would neither give an answer nor go away, I took him for a thief and threw him down the steps. Go there, and you will see if he is the one. I'm sorry if he was.' The woman ran out and found her husband, who was laying in the corner moaning. He had broken his leg. She carried him down, and then, crying loudly, she hurried to the boy's father. "'Your boy!' she shouted. "'Has caused a great misfortune. He threw my husband down the steps, causing him to break his leg. Take that good-for-nothing out of our house!' The father was alarmed and ran to the sexton's house and scolded the boy. "'What evil tricks are these? The devil must have prompted you to do them.' Father, he replied, do listen to me. I am completely innocent. He was standing there in the night like someone with evil intention. I did not know who it was, and I warned him three times to speak or to go away. Oh, said the father, I have experienced nothing but unhappiness with you. Get out of my sight. I do not want to look at you any more. Yes, father, gladly. Just wait until daylight, and I will go forth and learn how to shudder. Then I shall have a skill that will support me. Learn what you will, said the father. It is all the same to me. Here are fifty tellers for you. Take them and go into the wild world, but tell no one where you come from or who your father is, because I am ashamed of you. Yes, father, I will do just as you will. If that is all you want from me, I can easily remember it. So at daybreak, the boy put his fifty tellers into his pocket and went forth into the main road, continually saying to himself, If only I could shudder! If only I could shudder! A man came up to him and heard this conversation that the boy was holding with himself, and when they had walked a little farther to where they could see the gallows, the man said to him, Look, there is the tree where seven men got married to the rope-maker's daughter and are now learning to fly. Sit down beneath it and wait until night comes, and then you will learn how to shudder. If there is nothing more than that, answered the boy, I can do it easily. But if I learn how to shudder that quickly, you shall have my fifty tellers. Just come back to me tomorrow morning. Then the boy went to the gallows, sat beneath them, and waited until evening. Because he was cold, he made himself a fire. However, at midnight, there came such a cold wind that in spite of his fire, he could not get warm. And as the wind pushed the hanged men against each other, causing them to move to and fro, he thought, You are freezing down here on the earth. 
Those guys up there must really be freezing and suffering. Feeling pity for them, he put up the ladder, climbed up, untied them, one after the other, and then brought down all seven. Then he stirred up the fire, blew into it, and set them all around it to warm themselves. But they just sat there without moving, and their clothes caught fire, so he said, Be careful, or I will hang you up again. The dead men, however, heard nothing and said nothing, and they let their rags continue to burn. This made him angry, he said. If you won't be careful, I can't help you. I don't want to burn up with you. So he hung them up again all in a row. Then he sat down by his fire and fell asleep. The next morning, the man came to him and wanted to have the fifty tellers. He said, Well, do you know how to shudder? No, he answered. Where would I have learned it? Those fellows up there did not open their mouths. They were so stupid that they let the few rags which they had on their bodies catch fire. Then the man saw that he would not be getting the fifty tellers that day. He went away saying, Never before have I met such a fellow. The boy went on his way as well, and once more began muttering to himself, Oh, if only I could shudder! Oh, if only I could shudder! A cart driver, who was walking along behind him, heard this and asked, Who are you? I don't know, replied the boy. Then the cart driver asked, Where do you come from? I don't know. Who is your father? I'm not permitted to say. What are you always muttering to yourself? Oh, replied the boy. I want to be able to shudder, but no one can teach me how. Stop that foolish chatter, said the, dr the cart driver. Come, walk along with me, and I will see that you get that I get a place for you. The boy went with the cart driver, and that evening they came to an inn where they decided to spend the night. On entering the main room, the boy again said quite loudly, If only I could shudder! If only I could shudder! Hearing this, the innkeeper laughed and said, If that is your desire, there should be a good opportunity for you here. Oh, be quiet, said the innkeeper's wife. Too many meddlesome people have already lost their lives. It would be a pity and a shame if his beautiful eyes would never again see the light of day. But the boy said, I want to learn to shudder, however difficult it may be. This is why I left home. He gave the innkeeper no rest until the latter told him that there was a haunted castle not far away where the, a person could very easily learn how to shudder, if he would just keep watch there for three nights. The king had promised that whoever would dare to do this could have his daughter in marriage, and she was the most beautiful maiden under the sun. Further, in the castle there was a great treasure guarded by evil spirits. These treasures would then be freed and would make a poor man rich enough. Many had entered the castle, but no one had come out again. The next morning, the boy went to the king and said, If it be allowed, I will keep watch three nights in the haunted castle. The king looked at him, and because the boy pleased him, he said, You may ask for three things to take into the castle with you, but they must be things that are not alive. To this the boy replied, then I asked for a fire, a lathe, and a woodcarver's bench with a knife. The king had all of these carried to the castle for him during the day. When night was approaching, the boy went inside and made himself a bright fire in one of the rooms, placed the woodcarver's bench and knife beside it, and sat down at the lathe. Oh, if only I could shudder, he said, but I won't learn it here either. 
Towards midnight, he decided to stir up his fire. He was just blowing into it when a cry suddenly came from one of the corners. Ah, meow! How cold we are! You fools, he shouted. What are you crying about? If you are cold, come and sit by the fire and warm yourselves. When he had said that, two large black cats came with a powerful leap and sat down on either side of him, looking at him savagely with their fiery eyes. A little while later, after warming themselves, they said, Comrade, shall we play a game of cards? Why not, he replied, but first show me your paws. So they stretched out their claws. Oh, he said, what long nails you have. Wait, first I have to trim them for you. With that, he seized them by their necks, put them on the woodcarver's bench, and tightened them into a vice by their feet. I have been looking at your fingers, he said, and my desire to play cards has disappeared, and he struck them dead and threw them out into the water. After he had put these two to rest, he was about to sit down again at it by his fire. When from every side and every corner there came black cats and black dogs on red-hot chains, more and more of them appeared until he could no longer move. They shouted horribly. They jumped into his fire and cooled it apart, trying to put it out. He quietly watched them for a little while, but finally it was too much for him, and he seized his carving knife and cried, Away with you, you villains! and hacked away at them. Some of them ran away, and others he killed and threw out into the pond. When he came back, he blew into the embers of his fire until they flamed up again and warmed himself. As he thus sat there, his eyes would no longer stay open. He wanted to fall asleep. Looking around, he saw a large bed in the corner. That is just what I wanted, he said, and lay down in it. However, as he was about to shut his eyes, the bed began to move by itself, going throughout the whole castle. Good, he said, but let's go faster. Then the bed rolled on as if six horses were harnessed to it, over thresholds and stairways up and down, but then suddenly, hop, hop, it tipped upside down and lay on him like a mountain. But he threw the covers and pillows into the air, climbed out, and said, Now anyone who wants to may drive. Then he lay down by his fire and slept until it was day. In the morning the king came, and when he saw him laying there on the ground, he thought that the ghost had killed him and that he was dead. Then he said, It is indeed a pity to lose such a handsome person. The boy heard this, got up and said, It hasn't come to that yet. The king was astonished, but glad, and asked how he had fared. Very well, he replied. One night has passed, and two others will pass as well. When he returned to the innkeeper, the latter looked astonished and said, I did not think that I'd see you alive again. Did you learn how to shudder? No, he said. It was all in vain. If someone could only tell me how. The second night, he again went up to the old castle and sat down by the fire and began his old song once again. If only I could shudder. As midnight was approaching, he heard a noise and commotion. At first, it was soft, and then louder and louder. Then it was a little quiet, and finally, with a loud scream, half of a man came down the chimney and fell in front of him. Hey, he shouted. Another half belonging here. This is too little. Then the noise began again. With roaring and howling, the other half fell down as well. Wait, he said, let me blow on the fire and make it burn a little warmer for you. 
When he had done that and looked around again, the two pieces had come together and a hideous man was sitting in his place. That wasn't part of the wager, said the boy. That bench is mine. The man wanted to force him aside, but the boy would not let him, instead pushing him away with force and then sitting down again in his own place. Then still more men fell down, one after the other. They brought nine bones from dead men and two skulls, then set them up and bowled with them. The boy wanted to play too and said, Listen, can I bowl with you? Yes, if you have the money. Money enough, he said, but your bowling balls are not quite round. Then he took the skulls, put them in the lathe, and turned them around. There, now they will roll better, he said. Hey, this will be fun. He played with them and lost some of his money. But when the clock struck twelve, everything disappeared before his eyes. He lay down and peacefully fell asleep. The next morning, the king came to learn what had happened. How did you do this time, he asked. I went bowling, he answered, and lost a few pennies. Did you shudder? How, he said. I had great fun, but if I only knew how to shudder. On the third night, he sat down again on his bench and said quite sadly, if only I could shudder. When it was late, six large men came in carrying a coffin. At this, he said, Aha! For certain, that is my little cousin who died a few days ago. Then he motioned with his finger and cried out, Come, little cousin, come! They put the coffin on the ground. He went up to it and took the lid off. A dead man lay inside. He felt his face, and it was cold as ice. Wait, he said, I will warm you up a little. He went to the fire, warmed his own hand, and then laid it on the dead man's face. But the dead man remained cold. Then he took him out, sat down by the fire, and laid him on his lap, rubbing the dead man's arms to get the blood circulating again. When that did not help either, he thought to himself, When two people lie in bed together, they keep each other warm. So he carried the dead man to the bed, put him under the covers, and lay down next to him. A little while later, the dead man became warm too and began to move. The boy said, See, little cousin, I got you warm, didn't I? But the dead man cried out, I'm going to strangle you. What? he said. Is that my thanks? Get back into your coffin. Then he picked him up, threw him inside, and shut the lid. Then the six men came and carried him away again. I cannot shudder, he said. I won't learn it here as long as I live. Then a man came in. He was larger than all others and looked frightful, but he was old and had a long white beard. You wench, he shouted. You shall soon learn what it is to shudder, for you are about to die. Not so fast, answered the boy. If I'm about to die, I will have to be there. I've got you, said the monster. Now, now, don't boast. I am just as strong as you are, and probably even stronger. We shall see, said the old man. If you are stronger than I am, I shall let you go. Come, let's put it to the test. Then the old man led him through dark passages to a blacksmith's forge, took an axe, and with one blow drove one of the anvils into the ground. I can do better than that, said the boy, and went to the other anvil. The old man stood nearby, wanting to look on. His white beard hung down. The boy seized the axe, split the anvil with one blow, wedging the old man's beard into the crack. Now I have you, said the boy. Now it's your turn to die. Then he seized an iron bar and beat the old man until he moaned and begged him to stop, promising that he would give him great riches. 
The boy pulled out the axe and released him. The old man led him down into the castle and showed him three chests full of gold in the cellar. Of these, he said, one is for the poor, the second is for the king, and the third is yours. Meanwhile, it struck twelve and the spirit disappeared, leaving the boy standing in the dark. I can find my own way out, he said. Feeling around, he found his way to the bedroom and fell asleep by his fire. The next morning, the king came and said, By now you must have learned how to shudder. No, he answered. What is it? My dead cousin was here. A bearded man came and showed me a large amount of money down below, but no one showed me how to shudder. Then the king said, You have redeemed the castle and shall marry my daughter. That is all very well, said the boy, but I still do not know how to shudder. Then the gold was brought up and the wedding celebrated, but however much the young king loved his wife, and however happy he was, he was always saying, if only I could shudder, if only I could shudder. With time, this made her angry. Her chambermaid said, I can help. I know how he can learn to shudder. She went out to the brook that flowed through the garden and caught a whole bucket full of minnows. That night, when the young king was asleep, his wife was to pull the covers off him and pour the bucket full of cold water and minnows onto him so that the little fish would wiggle all over him. When she did this, he woke up, crying out, Oh, what is making me shudder? What is making me shudder, dear wife? Yes, now I know how to shudder. And I just really liked that one. It was cute and kind of spooky. But anyway, guys, those are the stories that I found. You know, this might be a random placeholder for whenever Amanda and I can't record together. Maybe we'll just find obscure fairy tales and tell you guys about those. I like that idea. Uh, oh, snap! Research! Ha! Almost forgot. So my sources this week are themindbounce.com, uh, gutenberg.org, and sites.pit.edu. I used them twice for two different stories. So that's a thing. So like I said, um, hopefully next time Anna will be able to be here and we can do Scarecrow. But until then, if you have your own stories to tell or ideas for the hat, go ahead and hit us up at nightmaretown18 at gmail.com over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. If you want to follow me personally on TikTok, you can do that at, at BettyBoom1933. I post not a lot of things, but some things. You know, it's whatever. Um, if you guys wanted to maybe get our episodes early and like extra content and super awesome stuff. You can go and find us over on our Patreon and you know, you could be as awesome as Jay and create your own tier and then we'll figure some stuff out for that because you know, we greatly appreciate it. Or you could be like nerdy through the grapevine and pick one of the tiers and then you get definitely swag for that. Uh, also we have a store. So if you go to spring.com, uh, you can find the nightmare town store there. I'm going to be posting that on our social medias. So if you wanted to like deck yourself out in some of our swag, you could totally go and do that. I personally am uh, rocking my Nightmare Town water bottle. And I'm going to be doing that a lot during school. And I think I'm going to buy my own shirts. And I'm just going to be super narcissistic. (laughs) I don't really know how to end this without Amanda, but I guess I'm just going to do it. So until next time, Tell us a story. Bye.